Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. TJ. How you doing, Joe? Doing great. How are you, man? It's like we haven't talked in a week, but but actually it's like we talked yesterday <laughs> or, or, or even just a couple minutes ago. Yeah, it is the first time for Hi-Fi where we realized that in this extended special edition of our New Year predictions that we had to divide and make it a two-parter. And I'm glad that we did that. Uh, can we say this is like the Zack Snyder cut of? A- oh no, no, no! I want nothing to do uh, with no? Zack Snyder. Oh, okay. Please don't, okay. uh-uh, don't, not no. Mm-mm. Okay, nope. well, I, what I, if I we don't relabeled it. it the TJ cut? We could call it the TJ cut. That sounds a little bit better. But uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, I think it's the Joe Draper cut. Oh yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, what we were thinking is that we would continue where we left off in episode seventeen last week. And we're going to be picking up with, what is it, our predictions. We were in the midst of those predictions. We got it right up to the Mac. Yeah. And then we stopped. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to predict some things about the Mac. Shall we get into it? Yes, please. While we use our Macs, we got to talk about the Macs. It's kind of important. If we want the future longevity of the product to matter, we got to talk about her. Absolutely. All right, Joe, you want to move to talking about the Macintosh predictions for 2021? Yes. And this one is a curious one because when you step from the M1 chipset that we got on the base model MacBook Pro and that MacBook Air, it's it's intriguing because there's different directions they could go with it. Either they come out with an M2 or they start including the M1 in more models or they make an M1S. Or What do you think is going to happen? It's hard to say for sure. Um, so let, let me start out with this prediction. I believe that we will see the 16-inch MacBook Pro go Apple Silicon in 2021. The MacBook Pro, the 16-inch MacBook Pro is arguably arguably Apple's um, – it's their staple, right? It's it's the computer that everybody knows and uses. Like all the other computers are child's play when you know the sales of the other computers compared to the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Was I that mean, true? This is I a, thought it was the 11-inch well, MacBook Air. It's conjecture, but I would say that it's it's the staple. It's the one that people buy, even if they're not pro. But but definitely pros need it, and it's um, it's the one that that will most likely be the one that you would buy if you are a pro, right? And yeah, I know a lot of people who have the previously the fifteen inch, the sixteen inch replaced it. Um, the fifteen inch, even if they're not pros. Uh, my pastor has a fifteen inch MacBook Pro from two thousand eight, I want to say, or two thousand ten. So like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that it's the Apple staple. And so makes, I think it will yeah, go to sense. Apple Silicon. And I, I think that it will either be a variation of the M1. It, it will be a more powerful chip than what we've seen Apple use the, with the M1. So whether that's the M1X or the M1Z or the M1S or whether they call it M2, I think remains to be seen. It's 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 hard to predict Apple's naming of things. So when we say it's more powerful, is it because it is supporting a video graphics card better? What makes it better when it's already shockingly better than so many other processors? 
Well, I just think that Apple started with the very base models. Like, so you only go up from there. And mm-hmm. the bigger, fancier computers, however you want to say it, have always had more powerful chips. Like the the 15 and 16 inch MacBook Pros always had faster, better Intel chips than the 13 inch MacBook Pros. And so they updated the 13 inch already with the M1. So again, whether it's M1 or M1X, or maybe they'll keep the branding M1 and just continue to call it the M1. But I, I would bet that a Geekbench will reveal it's running a, a faster clock speed or it has more cores or you know something like that interesting the thing is is they do share spec it's just very confusing what those specs would really mean at the end of the day i've noticed a lot of youtubers experimenting with the m1 max and some of them moving to m1s for some of their video production which i think is premature but they have shown off that it's capable of doing a lot of video content that I don't think any of us was expecting it to be good for. And if you get that MacBook Pro 16-inch, you know, how much faster? Like, it's going to be overkill for somebody who is managing oh, yeah. Google Docs and email. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the So our socks have already been blown off. I think that the socks will now be chopped up and sliced to ribbons on, by the 16-inch <laughs> MacBook Pro. Like, whatever the next yeah. step is, it's going to be so insanely fast and so good, we won't be able to comprehend it. That's the thing. Um, I, I just don't understand what it's going to serve. Because it's like you said, this is the professional Mac. And most people that are professionals – they they just kind of have a class expectation. Like, I want to be in business class or up. I want to be in first class. And what does that really get you? Well, nothing that you really need except maybe a larger screen. So, Well, I don't know that I agree with you completely because what – uh, what what happens when you create things that are bigger, larger, better, faster, and especially in terms of computers, is then it enables things we hadn't thought of before. It creates opportunities. And so maybe we don't need it for the first year. Maybe there isn't anything taking advantage of it yet, but there will be. There will be things that are enabled by these faster computers that we haven't thought of yet. Okay, I certainly yeah. – That not makes a, a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, and not Not in the it, short term, but in the 2022 and beyond, I can see that. But even so, like just because we're not, quote, taking advantage of that speed doesn't mean we won't appreciate it because people who have used the M1 MacBook Pros and the the Mac Mini um, and the MacBook Air, they have basically said, look, sure, I'm not, quote, taking advantage of it, but it's so fast and it feels so good and it runs so cool and the battery life is insane. Like these are things that, that are just are hard to quantify uh, right. in terms of, quote, taking advantage of, of that power. And so one of the advantages that you do get, I, I suspect uh, that maybe the battery life will be the same in the 16-inch MacBook Pro as the 13-inch, uh, but it will actually be better in most cases because you're not using all the power. <laughs> Right, because it's because it's so insanely powerful, and you're not taxing it. That battery is going to last forever. I maybe maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a 24 hour battery. I don't know, you know, oh, something like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and they could they so, could pull that off with a bigger MacBook model. Yes, I think so. So the battery will be bigger. So, and, and the interesting thing that they did, I know we're probably going to spend a lot of time on this. So the interesting thing that they did um, with the M1, it is it is the same chip in the MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, and the MacBook Pro 13-inch. That is the exact same M1 chip. Well, I say exact same. There is a minor difference on one of the MacBook Air models uh, you, because of what's called binning, where um, you have an 8-core GPU. And um, 
when it comes off the line, if, if one of those cores isn't working, then it becomes a seven core GPU and that goes in the lower end, uh, configuration for the MacBook Air. Other than that, they're the same processor. Now, what's different about, uh, the MacBook Air's processor is that it is not actively cooled. And so it will get throttled in some situations, at least theoretically. <laughs> Most people have said there's not a big difference. So Apple has shown a willingness to not differentiate their chipsets between the Pro and the Air. So maybe we won't see as much of a leap as I think, but I also do go back and I say, look, they they started with their lower-end computers and they're working their way up. So certainly, if, if it's not the MacBook Pro that sees huge jumps, by the time we get to the Mac Pro, um, I think we're going to be blown away. Curious. Well, I, you're not wrong. I, I know that they're going to do it, uh, if, for example, if they wanted to put the M1 into the MacBook Pro 16-inch, then I personally would say, yeah, sure, that's right, that's fine, because it's already ridiculously powerful, and this doesn't exist yet, so by putting this out there, you know people are going to buy it. But then part of me knows better, like they have higher expectations for that model than they do for the 13-inch MacBook Pro, which is playing a middle of the road ground with the different models. So you're probably I mean, not I've, wrong. I think they, they, their excitement for what they could do with Mac chips was real. And, and, and I think they're going to go there now. Now this is not my prediction um, or this is not part of that prediction. It's more of an aside. Um, so if they don't go to a more powerful processor, this prediction will be wrong just, just for future reference. Um, the prediction I just made. So this prediction I'm about to make is different from that, and that is that uh, we will see um, 32 gigs of RAM variants in the 16-inch MacBook Pro. I I don't think they can sell the 16-inch MacBook Pro with only 16 gigs of RAM. That that I hadn't put in the document because I just now thought of it, so sorry. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, so I think that is in addition to a faster processor or, or a difference in the processor somehow. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I, I just don't. What do you think? I just don't think they can get away with only doing 16 gigs of RAM in that bigger, more powerful computer. You know, you're not wrong. It is way too low, and everybody is saying that as a professional. The, the th- and again, the, there's that gray area where you're serving a lot of the pro market if they just have the largest display and the longest battery life. So mm-hmm. somebody who is using it for task management, pro, you know, project management and email and maybe writing doesn't even need a MacBook Pro that powerful, but then they and so they they would be just fine with 16 gigabytes of RAM 99% of the time. Absolutely. So maybe there's a base model with that 16 gigs, but then it, it has it just takes the roof off on the potential of like 64 and 128 gigs and beyond. Right. So what I'm predicting is this. So so right now the the 13 inch MacBook Pro, the I, well all configurations of the M1 have two configurations for RAM: eight gigs or 16 gigs. You should not ever. Nobody should buy the eight gig model. I'm a little upset with Apple that they did that. Um, the 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 prediction that I'm making is that it will you will be able to get 16 or 32. I wish you could get 64, but I don't think Apple will do that. Um, and 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 look, I get it. Like the the RAM is faster, and everything about this chip is faster, and so that masks the need for more RAM a little bit. But you still have, in my world, applications that are RAM hungry, and they're always going to be, yeah. no matter how fast. So so. 
having more RAM is a professional need regardless of what architecture you're on. So my prediction is, and I think Apple knows that, and so my prediction is that we will see a 16 and 32 gig configuration of RAM in the 16-inch MacBook Pro. That's fair to say. Well, okay, well then, let's see here. What else do we have in the Mac space? Well, there's the iMac, and there's the iMac Pro, which nobody takes seriously anymore. Then you have the Mac Pro. Now, I don't think seriously that they will get around to that until maybe the end of the year. Uh, what do you think? Okay, so uh, my predictions, so, so you, you mentioned the iMac and you sort of breezed past it. Do you want to start with the iMac? Yeah. I think, we'll, I think we will see an iMac this year that is Apple Silicon. I think it'll be toward the end of the year. But I, that's not part of my prediction as, as far as grading me on my predictions. Um, I do think we'll see an iMac this year that is a uh, Apple Silicon iMac. And again, I think it will run the M1X or the M2 or whatever they call it that they put in the 16-inch MacBook Pro. I think those will be – I don't know if I want to predict they'll be the same processor, but they will, I think, have a uh, – uh, a more a more a more of a processor than what we're what we have now. I don't think it'll be the M1 or what the M1 that we have now. Um, I do not think that we are ever going to see. Oh, uh, and I, I realize that why you're might be confused. I mis, miswrote this in the document. I don't think that we'll ever see another iMac Pro. I think that was a one and done. I I, I wish it wasn't. I wish they would continue with the iMac Pro. I, I will never have one, but I think it was a good computer for Apple's lineup to have a pro version of the iMac. But I think it was really to fill the gap because they weren't ready with the Mac Pro yet and they needed to be in the pro space. So I don't think we'll see an iMac Pro ever again. That's my predictions on the iMac. What are your thoughts? See, I could almost see them doing it because of the Apple processors because maybe it's one of these things where they're staggering and giving giving the iMac Pro one last chance, and well, if you let introduce me ask you the, this, mm -hmm. what would differentiate an Apple Silicon iMac Pro from an Apple Silicon iMac? Because because what different differentiates the iMac Pro from the iMac is the professional Intel components inside. It is the Xeon processor and not the um, uh, what, what is it that that they call their uh, Skylake and and all? That. It's not it's not the consumer line of pro uh, processors. It's the Xeon line of processors with ECC RAM and stuff. Now I suppose I suppose that Apple could still delve into ECC RAM, but I don't even know that the system on a chip. I, I'm not sure if it obviates that. I don't know enough about hardware to know if that's obviated by that or not. So so back to the question. I'm I'm talking. <laughs> what what um what do you see differentiating the iMac Pro from the iMac in Apple Silicon world? Honestly, I don't know. I think that it's one of those areas where Apple could definitely make a more powerful iMac that's a 27-inch display and just give you uh, better specs at the get-go and say, sure, if you bought a 27-inch iMac, the silver model, and you wanted to uh, crank up all of the upgrades that you can give that thing right at the get-go, soup that up, then it's more powerful than the base model of an iMac Pro. But if you get the base model of the iMac Pro, it is more powerful than that iMac 27-inch to begin with. And still... Well, there's you know, a little bit of overlap. There is a little bit of overlap in the high-end iMac configuration and the low-end iMac Pro configuration. So there's some... Again, it's about the professional components and the ECC RAM and stuff in there. Well, okay. Let me look at apple.com real quick. 
So, in, in terms of price, there's not an overlap. I'm just saying in terms of the performance you might get out of it. Right. So what? Here, here's why I'm defending this as much as I am. They're still selling it. They, they introduced the Mac Pro a while ago, and oh, we have these yeah. outstanding uh, regular iMacs. So, I think they'll continue to sell the iMac Pro for a couple more years and it's Intel form. I just don't think it, that it'll make – I think it's on the chopping block. Okay. And, and I can understand it not getting a, a whole lot of attention, a whole lot of love between now and then when they do discontinue it. But I still see that it has like room for one more update before they say it's, uh, it's kind of wrapped up. Yeah. I suppose if they do continue with an iMac Pro, it would basically just have the ECC RAM, which stands – it's error-correcting RAM basically. Where yeah. our, and it's become less and less of an issue over time because our RAM is so good now. Um, but, but ECC RAM does still have advantages and you, you will have less – in theory, less crashes and stuff from corruption of memory and that sort of thing. I don't know. We could. We'll see. I'm. Uh, I'm predicting that iMac Pro will not be updated ever again. They'll continue to sell the current one, and it's just. It's just eventually going to be on the chopping block. That. That's my prediction. Your prediction. It sounds like is the other way. Yeah, I, did, I don't expect it to be an exciting update that everybody gets familiar with and people seriously consider using the iMac Pro. I think it's going to be a, a, a very selective group of people who say. Oh, that's the one for me. And that and that's a really small market that I believe exists. Just because Apple is still selling it, people are still buying it. So why wouldn't they give it a small spec update? So there's gotta be something there. It's not a small spec update to go to Apple Silicon, though. That's the problem. Mm. Then maybe they will yeah. maybe so maybe both of us will be wrong and maybe they will update its specs for Intel. They will keep it on the Intel line but update to the latest Xeon processor or something like that. Right. I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they will. So yeah, I I have implied that they would the the generation of Intel processors we have before they released the M1 Max were the last generation of Intel chips that they were going to give any attention. That's that's my impression as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Time will time will tell on this. Um, I just don't think the iMac Pro has a market in. Or, uh, well, and, and the other thing that I'm thinking of, and and I could be wrong because Apple has started to reverse course on this. But in general, over the last ten to twelve years, never bet against Apple neglecting a Mac product line. <laughs> <laughs> now again, they're reversing course on that a little bit, so this could be just my cynicism showing through here. But oh, yeah. anyway, iMac with an M2 or M1X or whatever, and no Mac, no, no iMac Pro. Joe, you differ. You're predicting that we will see an Apple Silicon iMac Pro. We'll see. Now, let me write. Let me write this down for posterity. Yeah, Predicts sure. that we will see an Apple Silicon iMac Pro. Okay. Any Thank chances you. we're going to get a redesign of either MacBook or iMac in terms of those huge bezels around the? the display that are black and everybody says they're outdated. Well, Jason Snell is predicting a redesign of the iMac form factor. Um, if they do it, I think it'll just be to reduce the bezels. I don't think they will give it a big redesign uh, because those bezels are definitely getting long in the tooth. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not making any predictions there personally. Yeah, I, I could agree with him that that would be the one thing that they would update because it seems like a waste of material. It, it doesn't yes. really serve a purpose. And they like okay. to cut down on the material. Okay. I'm anxious to get your thoughts on this next prediction, Joe. And that is that I don't think that we will see the Apple Silicon Mac Pro this year. I think that's a next year product. What do you think? 
That's the thing. I think you're probably right because I, I don't think that they could get around to it this year. And when did the Mac Pro first come off the assembly line? They, they would like to update these things at least on average about every 18 months. So there is a possibility because the Mac Pro came out near the beginning of 2020, right? I'm. Can you vamp for a minute? I'm looking. Uh, oh, here we go. 2019. So it's uh, August, due in terms of their, no. their release schedules, but it also feels like it's the kind of thing that may have been delayed ultimately due to things like the coronavirus. So if there's anything yeah. that's going to get pushed back, it would be something that's that excessive that, that with a very limited number of customers. December 10th of 2019. So it's essentially the 2020 iMac or I'm sorry, Mac pro. Um, this is sort of the area where there's that uh, push and pull that Apple has among their customer base, where they introduce the first generation AirPod, you know, pr- or Pros, and so everybody goes and buys those. And now that everybody has bought AirPod Pros, then they introduce AirPod Max because now that everybody who was sold on AirPod Pros are going to say, "Oh, but this one's even better because it's that fuller, richer sound." I got to get the other product too, and. Yeah. Apple is throwing you that curve where they staggered their products so that the Mac Pro was popular long enough that it had its heyday before they introduce M1 Max. And then now that M1 Max are popular, maybe they get those people to to move from Mac Pros to a, a you know their own Silicon iMacs, and then they're going to come out with that you know, souped up newer version of the Mac Pro to win them back again. I, d- I just wish that Apple would sometimes release more of their product line at the same time so that you knew what you were getting into and that they weren't going to introduce the newer, better thing that was in more in line with what you had in mind in the first place just in yeah. two or three months. Because well, I think Apple it, really has put themselves into a strange position with the Mac Pro um, by neglecting it for so long and then doing a major overhaul on it and a complete redesign, but not being ready with Apple Silicon yet. They had to put Intel chips in it. So they basically have this huge, massive overhaul of the Mac Pro one year before the Apple Silicon comes out. And it's right. kind of a weird timing. <laughs> they is. put themselves into a strange corner. I would not have predicted that, and it yeah. is so odd. Thank yeah, you, though really I, I'm very glad that we got the Mac Pro. It oh, almost yes, feels sure. like they might as well had waited another six months, you know, eight months, ten months, and come out with it then and said, "Here you go." And guys, we've got your your Apple processors in these Mac Pros too. Yeah, for sure. But they like to stagger their products. Okay, so um, let's move on. Uh, we need to move a little more quickly, probably. A um, little behind-the-scenes info. We're recording this over a couple of days, and I don't actually know how long this episode is going to be now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so um, the, the next prediction here is I think uh, Apple will again start selling a reasonably priced external display. I think it's become apparent, and I hope it's apparent to Apple, that they made a mistake by getting out of the external display business. Um, because you have these great computers that Apple sells, the Mac Pro and the um, and the Mac Mini, that deserve great displays, um, but they're not built in like they are with the iMac or the MacBook Pro or the MacBook Air. And yet the only display we have is as, as expensive as the computers are. And, and it wasn't really designed to be a daily use external display. The That is the Pro Display XDR. It is a reference monitor that they built, and it is extremely expensive, and it is not at all reasonable for 
a huge swath of the developer uh, of the professional community, which is software developers, to use a five or six whatever it's five thousand dollars plus thousand for the stand, so six thousand dollar display to do their daily work on. And I think Apple's made a huge mistake in getting out of that business, and I I think they understand that. So I'm predicting that they will sell again this year a reasonably priced external display. I don't know if I would put this under the category of predictions, but I would say it's on my wish list because I could use them here at home as well as for the office. And I know some other professionals that don't need the reference monitor level of performance, but as professionals, they really would prefer something more reliable. And that just fits in with Apple's aesthetic because the LG monitors, which are, you know, Thunderbolt supporting, it's hideous. They look like they belong in an engineer's office that's completely devoid of Apple computers. Aside from being hideous, they behave hideously. Like I, from the sound, I've never had an LG display. I have. Uh, I I didn't like it. I I think that I'm much happier with my $300 Dell displays. Um, my, my $300 4k Dell displays are 4k. They're, uh, 2x retina. They, I've never have any problems with them. They, my only gripe with them is that they do not, they're not instant on. So it takes them about five seconds when they start receiving signal to come on. That's um, such a minor problem. I don't really, it's only a a quibble in that it's annoying. (laughs) Like it, it annoys me in my head. It doesn't annoy me in practice. Let's put it that way. So um, it sounds like you do have a, a, something you can put in your tech wishes section. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so you can, yeah. but but yeah. Um, and, and to be clear, I probably will never have an app, another Apple display, even if they start selling this. But I think it's important for Apple to be in that market, and I think that that would provide some competition, even if it's more expensive. It does cause people like you know manufacturers like Dell to up their game, and LG, and and all these others to compete in the space because. I am definitely a person who will spend a little more money to get something better if it me- if it makes sense. And so if that option's available, people like me will force Dell and LG and all the other display makers to up their games. So I hope that this is a thing. So it's a mix of a wish and a prediction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It would certainly serve all the purposes. Final Mac prediction. Uh, I don't think that we're going to get cellular data on portable Macs. Um, I just think that Apple is, if they were going to do it, they would have done it, you know, when they did the new chipsets and they didn't do it. So I don't think 2021 is going to see a change in that. Maybe 2022, I don't know, but I just don't think that they've had time to get the software ready. And so they didn't do it because, because the M ones would have been a great time to do it. I could also see it's the sort of thing that they didn't want to introduce with big Sur. Maybe the hardware is there, but big Sur it was not a priority for Oh, the hardware would be trivial for Apple at this point. Like they're doing it in all their cell phones and iPads. Mm. But I think I think you're right. I think they were so focused on Big Sur stability, they didn't want to add yet another thing yeah, to Big Sur to have to manage. And that redesign of kind of a tall order. They're not going to be doing a redesign with Big Sur, you know, <laughs> two point <laughs> yeah. snow Big Sur. All right. Moving on. iPad. Um I you and I have differing opinions here. Um, why don't you tell me what you think is going to happen with the iPad line this year? So as we know to date, we have had two iPad pros, one, the 11 inch and the other one that's a, what is it? A little bit over 12 inches. And then we have the iPad air and a regular iPad and the iPad mini. Now the iPad mini is a great size, but that 
form factor is so dated and boring and it's just sad because the iPad mini would look really slick, modernized the way that the iPad Air has been. But then it also begs the question, why would you update the body style of the mini, but not the regular iPad, which is like the budget model? Because right now the iPad mini and the regular iPad both have competitive pricing. And it's really a matter of which one do you want for its size. If they if they were to change the form factor of the mini, I could see them wanting to raise the price a smidge. And then it doesn't make any sense why you would buy the iPad mini because it, it's less competitive. Uh, however, if you wanted that size. Now, when you get to the iPad Air, there's this issue that it's unlikely they're never going to make two sizes of iPad Air. I just can't see that. And it's going to be the most popular iPad model. Everybody's going to be able to use their pencils and their magic keyboard cases with it. And it comes in the sporty colors. So the iPad Air is definitely the iPad they want more people to buy. But at the same time, iPad OS for the first and second generation, Apple was marketing iPad OS as more powerful and uh, shooting for pro users. And because of that, it seemed like it was a good time to have two versions of the iPad Pro, one that would be more compact, more portable, and the other one that would be more interesting to people who wanted to show things off on their display and maybe get some artwork done on the 12.9-inch uh, display. Well, the thing is, there's uh, there's MacBook Pros that are 13-inch and 16-inch and there's just, I think, enough people out there that want something like an, a MacBook Air that is virtually the same size as that 13-inch MacBook Pro. And then people who will say, nah, I got to have that MacBook Pro model, but the 15 or the 16-inch is just too big for me. I want the, I want the 13-inch. That's the Pro for me. And so I, I feel like it's the same result where there are going to be iPad users that look down on the iPad Air with a little disdain, like, uh, no, what's with all these silly colors? And, you know, it, it doesn't have this feature or that feature. I got to have me the iPad Pro. But then they're not going to want the huge screen. And I'm one of those kind of customers. I wanted the iPad Pro, and I also wanted it smaller than 12 inches in display. So I can't be that much of a minority. I mean, Apple's already made this iPad 11-inch Pro for a while now. So your prediction is that we will continue to see the iPad Air 11-inch and the iPad Pro 11-inch and the iPad Pro 12.9? Yes, because it's one of those enticers. It's like it, it just gets people's foot in the door if they see that there's more options to choose from. Um, I see that kind of thing happening. And maybe more often than not, people wind up buying the 12.9 when they want an iPad Pro. But I know just as many people abroad that have the 11-inch model as have the 12.9-inch model. So that's saying something for it. So my argument and my prediction is as follows. I I, I take your point about the 13-inch MacBook Air and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, I just feel like with the iPad line, 
it's harder to differentiate because what are the pro features? LiDAR? Who's using LiDAR on the iPad? I think Apple just wanted to get that out there. I don't think that it's that big of a deal that they wanted to start signaling LiDAR for AR and stuff. I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that is enough of a differentiating pro feature for, for certain segments of people but not for most pro users. So I think that the iPad Air covers the 11-inch needs of an iPad and if I were – if I wanted to go – if I were – if I felt like I could sacrifice down to an 11-inch screen, which I don't. I love my 12.9-inch iPad. If I felt that I could sacrifice down to 11-inch screen, otherwise the iPad Air covers my needs, and so I would be happy with the iPad Air. The iPad Pro, on the other hand, as a pro device, I feel like it's going to be 12.9-inch only or – it's going to be 12.9 and a larger iPad Pro. So I think that the iPad Pro 11-inch will go away is my prediction. I, I admit I'm on a little bit of shaky ground here, so maybe my prediction is going to turn out to be false, but I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I'll be happy if you're wrong So that I get my yeah. iPad Pro. Okay, um, iPhone predictions. The only prediction that I have here is that we will see 12S in the fall. I don't think we'll see iPhone 13 yet. Because this is a pretty big redesign in terms of the the case and the flat sides, and I think Apple will be happy to ride that a little bit further. Uh, or maybe it'll be the iPhone 12 5G. Oh, no, wait. No, they already blew that chance. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just came out with what they call the iPhone 5GS. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't muddy things up at all. Um, you have some other predictions about the iPhone 12S. Yeah, I think that you're right. The name is better than the iPhone 13. I don't know if enough people are superstitious about that name, but it doesn't sound very flattering. Well, I don't know. They had iOS 13 and that that's didn't right. phase them. So yeah. I don't and know that that's Nobody a even issue. made a joke about superstition. So we have probably better battery life. That is room to improve upon. But at the same time, can they? Can they make the the battery life better? I want them I to. Super I think that's happy the customer's with the... expectation. I am super happy with the battery life on my mini. I can only imagine how much better it is on the regular. You think so? But I'm happy. I'm also happy for them to keep improving it. Because I, I still know people who are going to the mini who say that they are doing some things in settings to try and give it a boost artificially. Huh. Like if they drop to 25% battery life, go ahead and dim the screen, things like that. Turn off some of the I, uh, the app refresh in the background. I've used used this phone pretty hard a couple of times, and I've yeah. never gotten under about thirty five percent. So that's I don't really know. cool. Well, yeah. another but, interesting but I, again, thing. Again, having said that, I'm happy for more battery life. Always. Yeah. Well, along these lines, like we were saying at the top of the show, there are these Qi chargers that are available using MagSafe now. So you can get a battery pack that you slap onto the back of iPhones, mm. kind of like those magnetic wallets. And theoretically, that could take off. Maybe that is well, one of the things Apple introduces of their own making. I'm Mr. Caseless over here, so I don't like the idea of something that slaps onto the phone to boost its battery. But yeah, that's me, Mr. Caseless. And, and the other thing is um, I like wireless charging, but it is inefficient. And when you're charging from a limited amount of battery – um, as a boost, I don't know that that's the most efficient thing to do. A solid wired connection is always the most efficient way to trans- transfer energy. You'd be losing a lot of battery of that external battery pack to heat. So that's, that's interesting that that's happening. But maybe yeah. maybe they'll – yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be worth it. 
so then for we, iPhone. we are expecting a faster refresh rate. Everybody wants that. What is it? 120 hertz display. Yeah, the the ProMotion. Um, I, uh, I, I will say about this. It doesn't make a this. difference to me, but I do think that that would be a selling feature to some people worldwide. I don't know if it's my eyes because you know me, Joe. I appreciate good and fine things in life, but I don't know if it's that my eyes can't see it or there's something you know maybe my eyes aren't up to spec or or something. But like I've gone into the stores and I've played with the ProMotion uh, iPads. I think I think my iPad Pro has ProMotion. Is that right? I've never really paid attention. It does, and I I can't like tell like and and i've my android phone had a fast refresh rate and i actually turned it off because it would take more battery but i couldn't tell like i literally couldn't tell so um i don't know that i care about this i kind of feel like it may be the sort of thing that a critic or a reviewer would notice when they're comparing dozens of phones together side by side maybe if you spent a lot of time like really scrutinizing interfaces looking for jitters and lag and mm. uh the smooth scrolling effect and you did this day in and day out for uh, a tech website or a youtube channel i think that you would probably develop the keen eye to notice the smoothness of 120 hertz but i don't think that enough everyday people do and i i'm pushing uh, not just pixels but frame rates all the time and I yeah. hardly can tell a difference. And I'm using the iPad Pro on a regular basis too. Well, and again, I'm someone who can tell the difference between when I'm watching movies or video or whatever. You know, everything's 24 frames a second these days uh, in terms of films and stuff. But it used to be like your low-budget stuff, your your video stuff, your documentaries might be at 30 frames per second. And, your, of course, your films are at 24. And I can tell a difference with that. So it's not like I can't see the difference in frame rates. But I, for an iPhone, I don't know if it's that I'm not focusing on it as much and I don't care because I'm not looking at moving people or whatever. I don't know. I just can't really see a difference between the high refresh rates and the lower refresh rates. I, I can't see it. Okay, so I have a question for you. Uh, let me explain one of my theories about future iPhone models. Okay. I know that a lot of people are speculating that there's going to be an iPhone model in the not-too-distant future that is going to be portless because they're mm-hmm. pushing for the MagSafe charging. They don't want you yes. to transfer files, etc. Yes, yes, yes. So hypothetically speaking, are we ever going to see an iPhone with a USB-C port? Because a lot of people want that USB-C port, but if that's going to happen, it makes more sense to me that we will get a USB-C port and then Apple's going to keep that around for several years and models to come maybe four new models worth. So if they came out with a model with a USB-C port in 2021, we should expect to see models with a USB-C port for at least four years because they're going to standardize it. It's going to be across more of the Apple product lineup. More people are going to be buying those cables and they're going to have them anyway for their future models as it goes. And then, and then we'll get the portless model. Or okay, so if we skip the USB-C model entirely, we jump straight to the portless iPhone much sooner. So let me say that my wish is for USB-C on the iPhone. My prediction is that we will never, ever, ever see USB-C on the iPhone. I think that Apple is too invested in the Lightning ecosystem and they're too happy to get the money from all the partners and the people who have to certify that they're Lightning compatible. And so they're very happy with that. But I also think there's some conflicting interests within Apple. I think Apple would love nothing more than to get rid of every single port and physical thing on the iPhone. Uh, and, And there's some good that would come of that because... 
ports uh, have opportunities for wear, wearing out and for causing problems. Buttons have opportunities for wearing out. Remember, remember when we used to have home buttons on our phones and they would break and wear out and stop working, and we don't have that anymore. So the less moving parts you have, the less and, and the less you know exposed ports and you know the things that are in those ports that hold the cables in and all this stuff. Like all those parts, you, the less of them you have, the less there is to break the less Apple has to spend on support and, and replacements and all this stuff. So I think there's some competing priorities at Apple in regards to this. I don't think we will see no port this year. I do think it's coming, um, especially as they're ramping up their wireless charging. I think maybe 2022 we will see a no, no port iPhone. But especially if we're going with the 12S theory, which is what I'm going with, I think that it will be the same exact form factor with the Lightning port. But I do not think we'll ever see USB on the phone. And that's, that's a damn shame. Now, one of my personal wishes that relates to this very issue i'll go ahead and throw in here it's a the idea that you know on the ipad pro that magic keyboard case we have the what are they like those little uh touch targets connections that just uh make contact and can get you the uh pass-through charging from plugging in sure, the magic this, keyboard case the ipad smart connector yeah the ipad smart connector if, if it were me I would I would kind of like that on the phone. Give us something that's like a MagSafe cord that if you yank it, it pops right off, and it has the the that kind of connection where it doesn't really go deep within a well inside of the bottom of the phone. Right, it's practically flat, and there's not a lot of lot to wear out there. there that that could definitely be a direction to go because if you eliminate the lightning port, you do have to have some way to service the phone. If if, if the thing is bricked itself, you have to. <laughs> that didn't sound the way I meant it to. <laughs> if if the thing has uh, something is wrong and you can't get it to boot, you have to have a way to get into it in DFU mode or what have you. And that that smart connector type connection that the iPad has might be the way that would would happen i don't know but 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 right now the smart connector doesn't have that capability so they'd have to build that protocol in because you know the the ipads have usb-c and that's how you you do dfu mode on the ipad and stuff um but but it is a it's it's really frustrating when i'm like i've got this cable sitting here on my desk it's a usb-c cable and i plug my ipad into it and then i'm like oh i need to top off my iphone real quick ah crap i can't i can't because it's usb-c and i have to connect the lightning board like yeah it's frustrating yeah. Tell us about iOS 15, Joe. Yeah, I, iOS 15, I, I think that they are probably going to... Uh, I My prediction is that they're going to introduce more subscription services. I, I could see them doing something with the Pro suite of apps, maybe give us something for the iWork suite, or I, I don't know if it's Final Cut Pro 10 or the Logic Pro that they would come to with those to the iPad Pro model, but with a subscription-based service. So you think those will will be somehow related to a subscription? Interesting. Yes, you know, I'm not saying that they should be. I'm just saying that they probably would be. No, no these and, are predictions. These and, are predictions. And, the reason, and the reason being that on the iOS app store, you've got a handful of apps that are more than $20 a piece, but they're few and far between. And then you have hundreds of apps that are subscription based so they can make their money in the long run so what apple would do is if they're going to come out with a logic pro 10 for the ipad pro and i kind of think a lot of people would be excited to see that then they're going to want their money's worth and apple is going to want their premium price so they would just say well get this in a subscription 
Mm. And along the same lines, I don't know that we need this, but I could see this being rather compelling to give us some sort of mail app pro features like mail plus and say, <laughs> well, now mail can do X, Y, and Z, but only for like the subscription. What? Like what? Uh, maybe that would be so weird. Maybe because people think of email. People think of email as free. I don't think that's ever going to fly. Yeah, I, and I don't. I, know, I, I don't think that. Apple. I don't think Apple has the chops to compete with the likes of Spark and and the other, you know, or or Hey or whatever. Um, I just don't think that that's going to happen. But you you do you, man. Yeah, and I, 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 it's it's one of these things where. If they do it, I'm going to say, oh, well, of course they did. And if they don't, I'll be scratching my head saying, well, it must have been a bad idea because they couldn't think up of anything to to do for it. Uh, so, so, so I think it's more than likely that they're going to do this with their professional apps. But it also would lend itself with apps like Mail. I did, I'm not saying how it would work, but I can see it happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. I'm going to say also in relation to iOS 15 that uh, this year I think proved that Apple Apple just cracked the door open on some things and and the 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 camel's nose nudged that thing wide open with the ex- customizability <laughs> and, ex- and and you know of the appearance of the iPhone and the icons and using uh, shortcuts to launch applications with custom icons and you know the widgets and all this stuff like they they literally just cracked the door open and the tsunami just whooshed that thing right up. So I think I think Apple is going to be forced to spend more time on customizability features for the iPhone. And a lot of fun. I really am happy that they introduced them. And I would be using a lot more of the custom app icons if we wouldn't get the banner pop-up every time you opened up one of the apps. Ah, yeah, it's so annoying. <sighs> I See, the thing is, and it's funny, I've argued for years that Apple should do this, and yet I'm not going to be the one to take advantage of it. I really... I used to. I used to use the the um oh what was that uh, appearance manager thing called for OS ten in the early days? Uh and you would install it and eventually your system would crash because it was a hacksy and it would mess up your stuff it would make your system unstable. But I did it like in my early twenties because I love to change the appearance. I love to make Mac OS ten look like Windows on a whim and I love to make it look like uh Mac OS nine and all like I just did all that stuff all the time. And so I used to do it all the time, but the thing is like, I have no stomach for that anymore. I do not have the time. I don't want to spend my time doing that. And so I have, I've played very little with the, with the stuff that Apple cracked the door open with. I really just, I, I have a few widgets. I have my icons and I have a wallpaper and that's good enough for me. But I've always argued that Apple should make this possible because people clearly are hungry for it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. It's a bright future for the design options. That's a good idea. So those are our predictions uh, for the coming year, mostly Apple predictions. Um, but also, Joe, I wanted to talk about our wishes. So I, I think there was probably some wish casting going on in, in my predictions, but but I want to get into the real predictions or the yeah. real real wishes that I that I would like that I don't think they'll necessarily do, but I would like for them to. Um, and so I'll start with the Macintosh. Um, I think the overall product line of the Mac feels stale. When is the last time we had a big refresh of a product line with the Mac? We have. Uh, it's been the, the, ages. The iMac, the iMac design is what twelve years old, something like that. Yeah. The MacBook Pro basic design is like eight years old. Um, when when did we? Well, when did we go from the uh, the screwed together MacBook Pro to the unibody MacBook Pro? That's how old the MacBook Pro is. However old that that is. So what that. It's, it's been be like more 10 than ten or, years. <laughs> yeah, you, let me let me Google this. 
because that's the favorite thing to do on the podcast is the Google things. Unibody MacBook Pro release date. Ah, okay, this is 2009. Wow. So the MacBook Pros have essentially been the same. They've slimmed them up a little bit since that original 2009 introduction. But wow, it has been since 2009 since they have redesigned the MacBook Pro. And I'm not wow. I'm not asking for something big. I just think yeah. it's time to do something. I, I think that they could get rid of – like you see plenty of laptops now that are bezel-less. Um, so we could get rid of the bezels on the displays. I think you could slim down – with speaker technology, I think you could slim down the, the speaker grills and, and give more room to – you know to just to slim that down overall. Like I don't know what it is exactly they could do. I, I think one thing that I would love to see in the laptops is a 360-degree swivel hinge on the or whatever the the degree is that it goes all the way so that because i'm tired of fighting sometimes i get in some positions where i want to push that screen back further and it won't go and you know especially this would go with the other thing that i wish that they would do is that they would uh add touch screens to the mac and so if you could swivel that screen all the way around you you could set it down and and you you know what i'm talking about the convertible basically yeah um so that it would the keyboard would be behind it and on the desk and you're you have the touch screen like I would love to see that happen, and I think that Apple has a lot to offer here because most PC manufacturers that do this, don't they don't really have an eye for design. They look clunky, and they're great feature-wise, but they look clunky, and they're not well-designed, and I think Apple could really own the space. So I want Apple to really focus on their product line design. The one exception, of course, is the Mac Pro, which I was overjoyed with the design they gave us there. So um, – yeah, and so that's my two wishes there is a touchscreens and a, a, a an overhaul of their product line to bring it up to modern standards. I agree with you. It is long in the tooth, and that's probably the longest tooth of any Apple product that they have going on. It's probably mm. just difficult to improve upon Johnny Ives' design and the design team as a whole. I mean, sure. all of those designers have been there for a while, and even though he's moved on, I don't think that they necessarily have an idea where you can take what we currently have and make something that's very appealing, that's obviously new and shiny and different that they want to stick with for many more years to come. And it, that's where it becomes a question of, well, do, by getting rid of the bezels, is that enough? Does that make it feel like it's a new and shiny version of the Mac? And I don't think it is. Uh, so it's difficult to see what that is supposed to look like. You want to talk about uh, external GPUs? Well, I know as a professional video producer and, uh, you know, I've been interested in these and I've wanted them for a while and they have some Mac minis and Macs that technically support them, but they're not very consistent, consistently reliable, and they're not very powerful. And then some of the third parties that were making the external GPUs, video graphics units, they, they stopped, they discontinued them. So they were available hmm. a little while. They didn't get the best reviews. And now there's fewer on the market than there was when they started. So I nearly got one of these setups with a Mac Mini with the best specs and got an external GPU. And then I did more and more reading and found people saying, this is unreliable. It flakes out and it's really hard to figure out what rhyme and reason there is to when it's working and when it's not and why. So Interesting. don't even go there. So I kind of felt like it was the same space of problems we have with things like the LG external monitors that sometimes, besides them just looking bad, they are not performing the way that we want them to do with when they're paired to a MacBook. 
and the GPUs are facing the same conundrum. I, I can tell you from external devices with my iMac 27 inch that I have now, I have the Thunderbolt fourth gen uh, external uh, drive bay, and it is the model that it comes highly recommended for uh, doing video production by OWC. And I have several drives in there with well over 30, you know, uh, I want to say like 30 terabytes of data. Well, anytime I go to just eject one of those drives, it, it doesn't do anything. My Mac just doesn't do anything. I press. How does this relate to external GPUs though? Any kind of external device with any kind of tethering to a Mac, it seems like it's just inconsistently, you know, hmm. it's just not reliable on a, on a day-to-day basis. I have not had this experience specifically for the um, external GPU. Uh, now, I, I t- you mentioned that they've been dis- a lot of manufacturers discontinued them, mm-hmm. and I thought no way uh, because I have a e-, e-, e graphics card external GPU that I like that I'm using right now. Um, and I went to look at it when I uh, clicked on it for my past orders on Amazon, and it says currently unavailable. So it's been discontinued. I don't know. I, I need to do more research, see if there's a one a newer one available or something, but it sounds like maybe you are you have more up-to-date information than I do. My, um, my uh, experience with this external GPU has been great. So this MacBook Pro that I'm using right now will it will drive natively through. Well, I say natively; it's through the StarTech uh, dock that has um, uh, its support for. Oh, I can't remember a Display Link. Uh, but I have made it drive all three of my displays before. But one of them will only run at 30 hertz, and the other two at 60. Uh, 30 hertz is no good. Um, and aside from that, the graphics are choppy, and you know it's just taxing that internal GPU too much. Um, I got this um, Sonnet E Graphics uh, Breakaway Puck with the Radeon RX 50, 570S as a Thunderbolt 3 device, and it drives my displays great. Um, I have no performance issues whatsoever. Uh, it's really fantastic, I, and I have no problems with it at all. So that's interesting to hear that others are not having very good experiences with the external graphics. That maybe I suppose, what's driving Apple's decisions here, maybe Apple is steering away from external graphics support. Um, but I, it would be a shame to me because I know that Apple's done really great work here with their built, their system on a chip graphics cards, their, their system on a chip graphics. I, I think that, uh, they're doing good work and they are better than any other manufacturer has ever been able to do, but you're still not going to be able to get the high end performance out of a built in GPU that you can get out of a real external graphics card. Right. So I hope that Apple will support it. Um, and, uh, I, we'll see. Uh, the M1 does not support external graphics, and that's just the way it is right now. The, the The problem is, I I drive three displays, and so I'm not considering any M1 Mac because I I drive three displays. That's my normal setup is three displays, and the no M1 Mac will do more than two. Yeah, that's a good point. I had not yeah. thought of that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I want to go back to something I forgot, um, and that is uh, re- regarding the Macs. Um, I want a desktop Mac that is somewhere between a Mac Mini and a Mac Pro. It can look like the Mac Pro even. I'd be happy with that, maybe smaller. Um, uh, The Mac Mini is probably what I'll get in the future when I need a new desktop. 
Uh, but I would really like an actual desktop, please, but not one that that starts at – what does the Mac Pro start at? $6,000 or something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just you know, I can't do that. The only way that. that I could see them doing that is if they did come out with that – a new monitor, external monitor, just, you know, standalone. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is there is a segment that Apple is not filling the needs for. And yes, the Mac pro does start at 59 Um, and that is the, the mid range segment. I am firmly in the mid range. I need more than a, uh, consumer grade stuff, but I need less than, Apple's Mac Pro. Well, isn't that what the iMac is about? Uh, is all about? But the iMac is tethered to its display, and I my display setup is perfect the way it is. I want something that connects to my displays. I suppose mm. I could do that with the iMac, but I just don't have room for all that. I I don't know. I just don't like tethering the, these components together so tightly because they wear out at different times and it offends my sensibilities. Yeah, uh, I get your point. I, I that it's an interesting product idea. And I, I would like to see what that would look like from Apple. Maybe, mm, see, the thing is, I could not see them like replacing the Mac Mini as we know it with a larger, better, powerful desktop model to replace it. But that'd be interesting. Well, too. And, and that's not really what I'm wanting either. I don't want them yeah. to blow up the Mac Mini, not blow up as in boom, but make Call it, it the larger, Mac blow it up as in. Yeah, I don't want them to blow air into the Mac Mini and make it a larger form factor. I want desktop class components because the Mac Mini has laptop class components in it. And I want desktop class components in it. I want to be able to replace my RAM with with new RAM. I want to be able to have RAM slots and um, uh, uh, express um, – Shoot, express card slots. Um, I want those things. Uh, I occasionally break open my PC and put stuff in it, and I'm very happy to do it. I know that's not the way Apple thinks, and so this is very much wish casting. I don't think Apple is going to do it. I don't think Apple. I think Apple thinks the Mac Mini fills this need, and I think they're going to continue to think that. I just want them to make something in between. I want to be a Mac Pro user, but not for that price. That's that's what it amounts to. Yeah, and I don't need the I don't need the ECC RAM or the Xeon processors. That's what you know. I need something in between. Okay, uh, I would. I predicted that Apple will not add cellular data to the Macs this year. I really wish they would. I think that Macs should have cellular data options available to them, just like the iPads do. I think the Macs should too. I don't disagree. You have, Okay. I, I don't have a strong opinion about the cellular data idea because tethering is working okay for me and I don't find myself traveling enough. It, it's sort of like it's still a bad yeah. time to introduce yeah. a cellular data service when you know people are discouraged from traveling and working as much at this time. Sure, I get that, but that's not going to be the case forever. And yeah. it would have been like, you know, it's just fiddly to have to get your phone and connect it and make sure it's connected and, you know, connect it, tether it if you want the best speeds and all this stuff. Um, I, I just would rather it be built into the laptop. Of course, you have problems with cellular companies thinking, ooh, you've added another device. We'll charge you 50 more bucks a year like that's, or a right, month. That's, right, that's, right. I don't want that either, but that's not Apple's problem. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so another wish that I have is for split print, split pane file browsing. I, Joe, I really like Finder and Big Sur. It is very nice looking. Um, they've added features. This actually was a feature they added in Catalina, but it tra- carried over into Big Sur, which is command shift dot or command shift period to show hidden files. So as a developer, I ha- often need to see those hidden files because anything that it starts with a dot is hidden, and I have a lot of dot files sometimes that I have to manage. So that's been really nice, um, and I like the look and feel of it. The one thing that I'm missing uh, in, in a, an application called Pathfinder from Cocotech has this. 
which is dual pane file browsing. So you basically have one window, two panes. Uh, so you can have a folder open in one pane and a folder open in the other, and you can kind of drag files back and forth between them and compare them. I do a lot of comparing of files in file system all the time. And so I really want this. And yes, I know you can take two windows and put them side by side, but it's not quite the same. And I, I, again, I, I have Pathfinder, but I just find that I like Finder better for most other things. And uh, Pathfinder just is not a very nice looking application. It still looks a little bit like a Catalina application. And I just want Apple to do this. And I don't think they will, but it's a wish. <laughs> it is a good idea. No, really. I, I, I'm more afraid that they are going to continue to take Finder in the direction of the Files app on iOS. Oh, and I'm very, very afraid of that. They, they really shouldn't. Like, it's okay on no. Big Sur. Don't dumb it down any, any more anytime soon. I actually don't think they will because they've actually improved Finder and not regressed it over time. So, um, yeah, I, I know still, that John Syracuse is still not happy with Finder, but but that they just don't like to make the habit of giving it new features any anymore. It, it seems like they're very settled this ways. I don't know that that's true because they added it was only what two versions ago they added tabs to the Finder and it you know they've they've improved Finder over time. Hmm. Um, yeah, and they re- completely rewrote it several years ago when they um, when they went sixty four bit. Uh, they completely rewrote the Finder from a Carbon application to a Coco uh, to a uh, Coco application. Um, so yeah, I, I I I'm not too worried about Finder. I think it'll be fine. And I think Apple has stopped trying to iOSify macOS so much. I, I know that people will point to the design of Big Sur, but but these design changes did not iOSify Big Sur. They brought it in line with the design language of iOS, but they did not iOSify the functionality of of the, of macOS. So I don't think I don't think they will, Joe. I think you're safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One more thing that I want from macOS and the Mac side of things, Joe, is I want much, much, much better window management tools. What we have now is is not good. Um, it's I, I would say marginally better than Windows, and I mean Windows as an OS, not Windows as a concept. Um, so it's marginally better than Microsoft Windows, um, but. They've That's interesting. Added features. I thought that you w- wanted it to be more like Windows, uh, but I must have mistook that for. There are certain features I want from Windows, such as uh-huh. when I drag a window up to the top and I continue moving my mouse while holding the window, it will and go to the top of the screen. It will expand. It, it's, it's like maximize the window, and then I can drag it, and it goes back to the position it was before. Um, I can I can drag to the left or right side, and and split the screen right down the middle with two windows, and all these things. So so those sorts of features are good. There are other features in Windows, Microsoft Windows, that I don't like that macOS does better overall, uh, which is. Um, in Windows, you can drag Windows in such a way you can accidentally get Windows off screen so that you can't get a hold of them and drag them back on screen. <laughs> Things like that um, are just really annoying. Um, yeah, I think overall it's it's a little bit of a split and a tie. And in some ways, Windows is doing better, but in other ways, macOS is doing better. But the thing that really just sort of trips my gears with macOS is this implementation of full screen and mission control that is very iOS-like. Um, that I think they need to walk back. Um, the, the just the whole concept of the way full screen works in macOS. I try to use it once in a while, and I always, after about thirty minutes, just go, "This is awful. I can't do it," and I go back because you can't. Yeah, it hides your menu bar. You can't use um, show desktop, you know, because I have uh, one of my mouse buttons mapped to click it, and it everything flies out, you know, and it shows my desktop. 
That doesn't work when you're in full screen. Things like that uh, are just driving me bananas, and I think Apple really needs to to work on that. I, I just think there's so much they can do to make window management better. They need to embrace it, not try to iOSify it. The difficulty for me personally is that I'm really set in my ways doing f- uh, my own window management the way that I do it now. For several years, I've been very content with Moom, and I don't mind them rocking the boat and making it better. But at the same time, I kind of figure, you know, as long as I have Moom on my Mac, I'm okay. If apps like that weren't supported and went away, then it would just be debilitating. But it gets me by. And and you're not wrong. Like something, a better baked-in solution that is more functional, more powerful, easy to do, uh, and, and intuitive would be greater because what I'm doing nowadays with Moom is using just a, a hairy number of keyboard commands with my left hand. And that means Mm. that I can't use those keyboard shortcuts for something else like keyboard maestro. So I've actually been thinking of late if I want to get a full sized mechanical keyboard, because right now I have a 10 keyless version. And if I got the full scale, then I could move a whole bunch of shortcuts over to the numeric keypad on the right. And then maybe do some more powerful things with Keyboard Maestro. But I'm forced into a position like that just because I have to dedicate so many of those keyboard shortcuts to to Moom. So we'll see. So I use an app called Mosaic, and I have it set up. So it took me it, – it's not obvious how to make – it's it's a little fiddly. All this stuff, Moom, Mosaic, they're all a little fiddly, are, right? Yeah. But, but I've got it set up so that when I hold down Command and Option and then start dragging a window um, – what appears at the top of the screen are areas that I can drop the window onto that I can split it left or right. I can have it centered and I've defined these areas myself, right? So I have a almost maximized, but leaving a little bit of space on the right. And then I have an almost maximized, but leaving a little space on the left. And so you can overlap windows like that. I have these things defined and, but they're workarounds. Apple could provide better tooling for this. And I don't think they will, but yeah. I want them to. <laughs> I don't think Apple cares one bit about improving window management in macOS. No, not right now. Yeah. It would be cool if they came up with a good idea. It does seem like, I remember Craig Federighi was answering some questions about the Mac interface to John Gruber in an interview. And he basically said in regards to why doesn't something get updated, improved, and wow us. He basically said, well, internally, none of us have found a great idea that we all said, that's the one. That's the one we want to run with. And I think that that is an example of this hmm. that they just haven't landed on the thing that wowed them internally so much that they felt they had to make this change. Yeah. So uh, for my wishes, I'll keep them short and sweet. I already mentioned earlier that that smart connector idea is one of the best ideas. I would love to have something like MagSafe that we had of old on the MacBook Pro on the iPhone and the iPad because that was so user-friendly and, and just a nifty kind of technology. And now that they're talking about MagSafe as this other thing that gives us more accessory options with the iPhone, maybe it's going to make a comeback, but I don't I don't really believe it's going to happen. I just really would rather to see that than your standard USB-C fare. And I'm also uninterested in getting the portless iPhone and portless iPad, which I mean, that'd just be bonkers. So if that can come, that'd be great. And then we also have my theory that Apple's going to do a whole lot more with Apple Arcade. And the way they would do that is they would introduce something like a controller 
And you'd say, Joseph, why did they need a controller? Well, because the controller can be used whether you're using it on a new, a newly updated Apple TV or if you want to use that controller on an iPad. And I see more people recommending you do this if you're going to do, quote, more serious gaming on iPhones and iPads anyway. And there's just enough of these gamers that maybe while they're traveling, they're not going to take their other console devices, then they're going to use a controller with their smartphone. And it is a minor way that it's not so much about staying competitive in the major video gaming market so much as meeting the the bare minimum expectations that a lot of gamers have across the entire market. And what Mm. they want is to see something that is highly recommendable. Uh, But that being said, if they don't want to do that, the good news is that, is that we can still use the Xbox controllers and the PC or the P sorry, the PS controllers on the Apple TV. But that's where part of the problem is as well is that the apple tv is long in the tooth it needs to get a good update i think that it's high time that we see something that is more interesting for the apple tv and i think that that is a great place for the ar technology to be introduced to people's homes but that therein lies a detail that maybe apple has a vision for ar being more or less not to do with consumer technology just yet. Maybe they want to introduce it for education, maybe something in the medical industry. I, I don't know. What, what do they want to do with it? And I think the most likely thing is, is that they'll use it for entertainment. So the next generation Apple TV should have something to do with AR. And mm. it, it just seems like this is high time. Then I also think that it'd be a wonderful idea to get that more affordable Apple monitor. And I would like to have it with my uh, my 5K iMac. And if they kind of looked like one another, that'd be really nice. I, I kind of like yeah. the chunky bezels, <laughs> but I can also understand the argument for thinner bezels, and it's not going to make a make or break d- difference to me. If- if you made thinner bezels, I mean, just taking away your iMac already having the big bezels. If you had an iMac with no bezels and you had a monitor with no a display with no bezels, you could put those things right next to each other and it'd be like one continuous thing. Yes, that would that would be great. Yeah. So so you're bringing down the the prediction that I made into a wish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it makes a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know that they're going to do it, but I wish that they would. They're not. They're not. I, I predicted it, but I'm also cynical. So, <laughs> okay, I just have a couple of more things, which is uh, iOS and iPadOS. Um, and I I use my iPad every day, and they really need to bring those features that I enjoyed in iOS 14 to iPadOS 14, which is the app library and the ability to hide home screens and have stuff just live out in the app library. They need to bring that to the iPad because. Honestly, I I have several apps on the iPad that I use like once a month or once every couple of weeks or something that I don't want on my home screens at all. It would just be great if I could just get rid of those. And it, it just sort of makes a cacophony of app icon noise off to three and four and five different screens, right? I just want those to go away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, – and I've I've hidden them in folders and various things, but it's just it's not ideal. I really I really like what Apple did with uh, iOS 14 and in, in allowing us to have the app library and to hide and get rid of the home screens. It's just great. So this um, is under your then, wish list. This is not under your pr- predictions. I kind of think that they will. 
Uh, you know, if I'd thought about it, I would have put this in predictions. I think they will too. But okay. uh, it is a wish for sure. And then I want them to, and this is this I'm less sure about them doing because I feel like they think, oh, the, we have the widget sidebar that's all that can always be visible. Why do you need to then drag them anywhere you want? But I want them to make the widgets draggable to any location on iPad OS the same way they are on iOS. Uh, I think that would be great because the, the, the sidebar yeah. of widgets is fine, but I would rather just be able to drag them around. So yeah, I want those I like to come it. to iPadOS. And and it makes no sense to me. Like, did they have a merge conflict trying to merge those features into iPadOS from iOS and, and, and Git? And so they had to uh, they had to just, oh, we don't have time to fix it. We'll do it next year. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just so weird because they're both essentially iOS. And I'm, I'm sure they have – I have no idea how they manage their Git branches internally, but I'm sure they're – they're they're forked from the same thing like i'm sure they have a way to merge code that's the same into both versions of the operating system (laughs) right right uh, i don't know well even on the ios you cannot position widgets just anywhere you like and that is well that's true and and, and rigid Uh, yeah yeah i I want well this goes to my next wish which is both icons and widgets i want to be able to place anywhere i'm happy with the grid i want the grid to stay i don't want it to be when i say anywhere i don't mean in between grid like you know like literally anywhere i mean like when i delete an app that's in the middle of my icon grid my icons should not shift to fill the space they should stay right where i put them that's what i mean by anywhere and additionally widgets like if i have a uh, a widget that takes up four icons, I don't want it to be left or right. Like, what if I want to center it? I want to be able to center it into that icon grid. So I, I, it's very doable, and I think that Apple I'm, – I'm not certain – this is why it's not a prediction. I'm not certain that Apple will do this, but I want them to do it very badly. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up my wish list, and I like Mine a too. lot of your ideas too. So we Great. have a lot in common across the predictions and the wish list things I – we do have a few differences. But oh, we do. I think <laughs> we're, we're very different people. On the same page. All right, Joe. Well, so that's our predictions. That's Whew. our wishes. Uh, we've we've wrapped it all up and tied it off with a bow. We've we've put it together. We've put it out into the world. We put it into your ears. And I hope maybe in um in 2022. Oh, I can't even think about that right now. <laughs> in, in the next year, <laughs> if you make it there. <laughs> we will we will revisit and kind of feel, see how we did and and see like with our predictions and our wishes, like what came true and what didn't, and and kind of how we did. I I'm not really a pundit. I don't really um, follow this stuff as closely as somebody like Mike Hurley or Jason Snell or Stephen Hackett or Federico Vitici. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see how well we did on this. Yeah, it's very exciting. I I think that it's a peculiar year because Apple shook up so many things with the new processors, the redesign of the iPhone, the, the introduction of the iPad Air. So it's just going to be a curious time with any more lasting effects to do with the pandemic. And it's a tough year to predict. It's a tougher year to write a wish list down for. So mm. hopefully 2022 will be a little bit more normal, a new normal, and we will be over the the slump that we have been in. So we'll have a regular year of predictions. I want 2021 to be back to normal, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, the sooner I'm, the better. I don't want, to, <laughs> for, I don't want 2020 yeah. to have one. Oh, get it? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> we do not want 2020 part two uh, in a minute i'm going to tell people how to get in touch with me if they want to kill me for my bad jokes or or or, <laughs> or or just you know chew me out on twitter but joe if people would like to express their sympathies for you having to put up with my bad jokes um where can they do that at 
It is uh, Twitter, please. All the sympathy, I can use it. It is uh, JCS Darnell is my Twitter handle. And come chew me out over at TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. And uh, in all seriousness, I'd be happy to talk to you about tech. The show notes for this episode are at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 18. And I'd love for you to check those out. And we'll figure out what we're going to talk about next week. And we'll be back at you then. Bye, everybody. Bye.